everyone, and welcome to Another Bite, where we rewatch the most innovative and intriguing pitches from Shark Tank. I'm Jory, and I'm joined by John. Hey, how's it going? Today, we're going to talk about some dirty underwear. Whew! All after this brief sponsored break. So today's product is a product that's looking to solve the problem of fast fashion, which is Kent. Stacey Grace and Jeff Grace are coming to us from the first live filmed episode of Shark Tank in season 14. Kent is a compostable underwear and fabrics company that is 100% organic, plant your pants. It's going to take 90 days to turn these underwear into very nutrient-rich soil, stronger and softer than our normal underpants, according to Stacy. So it's really looking to turn fashion into fertilizer. They come to the sharks asking for $200,000 for a 5% stake, which rounds out to about $4 million in terms of valuation. I thought it was really interesting because I don't know if you caught this, but when they were first making their pitch, there was like this very weird scream when they first announced the numbers. And I feel like that yeah. just set the tone for like, what are we looking at? What is happening? <laughs> Yeah, it was mob mentality. The thing with the audience is there's like no silent periods. It's just like people just yelling at each other about things and like fighting to get barbs in. I think the audience might have been artificially enhanced. Mm. The level of audience cheering when they like pan to the audience I was like, there's no way that crew is making this noise. They're piping that in. But I'm in on Kent. I'm all in. And I would push them to do a compostable underwear subscription service where every three months you get mailed some new underwear. And then I think you could justify your $4 million valuation. I think the Sharks did the right thing trying to get them down a bit, but I would pay a premium for that. That like aligns with the values that I think I, you know, want to have in the world. And I love the idea of trying to support that sort of cause. So like I'd pay a premium for that. And especially learning they're softer and more durable than normal underwear. And like seeing the proof on the shirt, they were all like, whoa, this is awesome. So I think I'm going to order some. Interesting. So you would pay $24 for one pair of underwear yeah. on the reg? Yeah, definitely. Wow. Okay. Yeah, I think premium undergarments are quite the category now. And I don't know, I worked in fashion for a little while at Trunk Club and we sold premium clothes and it is shocking what people are willing to pay to get things that help them project a certain look or a certain set of values. And I think that those are the things you can sell on. You can basically sell on, you know, looks and sex or values and, you know, virtue signaling. And I think that these in theory do both, which is a double whammy from the getting people to pay more money spectrum in fashion. And I think that's also important to consider because Stacy, one of the founders, mentioned that she had been in fashion for 10 years. And like the differentiation from even sustainable brands with the lack of microplastics in their, what was it, their trade secret underwear, not patented, but trade secret underwear. <laughs> trade secret. Is different from anything on the market. Yeah. And the truth is with the margins that they have at eight bucks unit cost, which I think will come down as they start scaling up, that'll come down a bunch. And the price point they're selling at, they also have a lot of flexibility to, you know, try and bundle, to try and like if you did a subscription, they could easily sell it at a discount. Like that $24 price point is purely them just deciding like this is where we want to anchor people, that this is what compostable underwear are worth. You know, that's not a cost basis pricing model where they say, OK, cool, like we got to add X amount of profit on top of this. So I think it gives them a lot of flexibility to play with their prices over time. And I wouldn't be surprised if there's good value to be had by purchasing more than one pair at a time. Mm -hmm. And you bring up a good point about bundling because they mentioned to sort of like sweeten the deal. Yeah. 
Because of the mission behind this company, all of the sharks really sat up. They were like, this seems like something we could definitely sell. And whether or not it's virtual signaling or it's something that the consumer really believes in, it could make a lot of money. Building on that, the founder story is incredible. Mm -hmm. Like these other guys come in and they're like, "Ah, I'm a failed actor turned real estate mogul who (laughs) wants to sell some lobster. Some lobster. (laughs) He's got a guy. And she's like, well, you know, I worked in fashion. I saw the waste. I had a passion about it. No one would believe in me until I met my future husband. And now we have a baby. And that's the reason we have to do this because that baby needs a better world. I was like, that baby does need a better world and my underwear could help. (laughs) Great founder story. They sold John, so that's good. (laughs) Yeah. This one definitely just falls in the category of, and you saw this from the sharks, like literally the only thing people had issue with was the valuation. Mm -hmm. Mark tried to find an objection with like, oh, but like people don't have compost. Like, oh, they're not going to mail you their underwear. And I was like, that doesn't matter to whether people are going to buy it. People are going to buy it because they think they're going to compost. If they never compost, it's not going to change anything about the sales. But that's why the only objection that the sharks really had was around valuation. They were like, listen, 4 million is just like, it's not happening. You don't have the proof of it. And so they just negotiated down on that. And I think they got to like a pretty good point. Did it end at 15% mm-hmm. for 200K? With Damon, yep. Yeah. So that's basically like at the margins they're running. What's that? That's like, you know, three to four X EBITDA or something like that. So it's like, that's not that bad of a deal, actually. And I think the company will actually do well, especially if their Nordstrom distro goes well. And especially if they can continue to merchandise into premium channels. Nordstrom's perfect for it. Mm-hmm. And what I think is also interesting is you mentioned it, John, I think the compost like take back program, that's something that I feel like might still be in its infancy with Kent specifically, but like more sustainable brands, especially ones like Madewell, I think Everlane also has like a take back program. I'd have to look it up, but it's becoming more and more popular to recycle your clothing. Yeah, we recycle all our clothes. Right. So like while it might sound weird conceptually, like who's going to send their dirty underwear back? I actually think that consumers are already interested in that. And while it might be underwear in this case, especially as they branch into things like T-shirts, into things like socks, most consumers would be really interested in that because it makes them feel better. Especially the next generation. Definitely. And it creates loyalty, right? Because even like Rothy's is a brand that does that, right? Where they make shoes out of plastic bottles and they take your shoes back. And like maybe five years ago, I wouldn't have thought about like sending my old used shoes back to a company to make more shoes. But hell yeah, send me the packaging. I'll send it right back to you. Yeah. Bonus if you get a 10% discount. (laughs) Yeah. I think, you know, I'm a sucker for trend reports. I love the start of a new year because all the trend reports come out and I'm like, hell yeah, I got my week ahead done. I think one of the really interesting things about this next generation that's being surveyed and asked about, like their number one concern is the environment, just hands down. It has to be. Like my generation cares, Mm -hmm. but like not nearly like the next generation is like, you have foisted this garbage planet on us with all your choices. And like, we're going to turn it around. Like it's on us. And I think that it will really meet the moment. It's true. So it's a new business that's very much still in business in terms of whether or not it still exists. But according to their Instagram, they did really close this deal with Damon. So in terms of like handshake deals, it seems as much as we can tell that this one is still on the table. But it's interesting because even if those deals don't always pan out, the exposure of Shark Tank usually does really well, especially for like fashion retailers. So I would chalk this one up as a success. They got a deal and they got the exposure. I was going to say, I have a new Christmas gift I'm going to ask for. (laughs) Yeah. Listen, I think there are some lessons to be learned here, right? Kent is all about values. One question though. So I know that as we've talked about Kent, 
a lot of what we've also talked about is like this difference between like authenticity and virtue signaling, right? Or at least like kind of showcasing a values that makes everyone else think that you're so awesome. I'm a skeptical consumer. At the end of the day, do you think that the folks at Kent are coming to the show because they really believe in their company or because they're doing it for clout and they want to sell underwear for $24 a pop? Yeah. I mean, this is not an altruistic business. They're selling underwear at a 65% margin. (laughs) You know, like, so we should just be clear here. If they are most obsessed with saving the world, they would sell their underwear at cost plus shipping. And that's what they would do because that would get it to as many people as possible and they wouldn't stress about it. They're selling it at a 65% markup. And so it's like, yes, it's nice when both work together. You know, I think that is one of the things that could be really motivating to this next generation of entrepreneurs. And we see it in a lot of companies now is just this idea of like running a business doesn't have to be evil. It can also involve good. And I think that's a really positive thing for all of us to embrace because I do believe that business is one of the ways that we solve the biggest challenges in the world. I think it's really hard for non-business entities to really invest the kind of capital to tackle really big, meaningful challenges. And so I love seeing business continue to evolve to take on a broader set of stakeholders and represent a broader set of values. It gives me more hope about the world in the future than maybe the way business was viewed in the 1980s. So sell underwear, kids. That makes the planet grow better. (laughs) If you're going to sell underwear, you might as well make the planet better. I think, you know, both can exist together. Definitely. Do you think that they cared about which shark could bring certain expertise to their business or they were just trying to get a shark involved? They were focused. I think it's really smart to go in knowing exactly which shark you want to get. I mean, they don't want this underwear on QVC. No one's buying this on QVC. This is not the channel for it. That's not the market. A lot of times the sharks drop out and they're like, I'm out. And you're kind of like, I don't care because I don't actually want your money, (laughs) right? Like (laughs) you're not the person I need. That's totally fair. Production for today's episode was brought to you by Ari Desarmo. Editing comes from Robert Hartwig and support from Alfred Schultz. Subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Spotify Podcasts, or wherever you subscribe to the greatest podcasts ever. That does it for me. See you next week in the tank for another bite.